This is the LexisNexis New York Legal News Podcast. Litigation news stories from New York courts is reported in recent issues of LexisNexis Mealies. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. LexisNexis Legal News is a 2009 nominee in the ABA Journal Blog 100. The best legal blogs are selected by the ABA Journal's editors. Visit the LexisNexis store for all your legal book and software needs. The store offers thousands of titles to help you in the practice of law and in managing the business of your legal practice. You can reach our e-commerce site by clicking on the Store tab at the top of the LexisNexis homepage or by going to LexisNexis.com store. The U.S. Supreme Court January 25th struck down New York City's racketeering claims against an online cigarette retailer, saying the company's failure to file customer information with the state as required by federal law does not comprise predicate acts of mail and wire fraud. LexisNexis Mealy's Tobacco Report editor Jerry Maddox explains a 5-3 to three majority of the high court reversed a Second Circuit ruling holding that RICO is unavailable to the city to collect tobacco taxes from New Mexico-based online cigarette seller Hemi Group. The city of New York sued Hemi Group, complaining the company failed to comply with the Jenkins Act, a federal criminal law intended to prevent tobacco companies from avoiding their state tax responsibilities. According to the city, Hemi's failure to file Jenkins Act reports on its sales volumes, as well as its marketing efforts, designed to discourage tax collection with the state, constituted the predicate acts of mail and wire fraud under RICO. The Southern District of New York dismissed the racketeering claims, as well as state common law and consumer fraud and public nuisance claims. However, a split Second Circuit reinstated the RICO counts. The Circuit Court said the city has standing to sue under RICO, where it has alleged direct injury of lost taxes caused by online retailers' commission of mail and wire fraud by selling cigarettes to the city residents without complying with the Jenkins Act's reporting requirements. But the Supreme Court majority concluded that the city could not satisfy RICO's causation requirement, that is, that any injury the city suffered must have been by reason of the alleged frauds. Here, the majority noted, quote, the conduct directly responsible for the city's harm was the customer's failure to pay their taxes, end quote, and the conduct constituting the alleged fraud was Hemi's failure to file Jenkins Act reports. Thus, the court said, the conduct directly causing the harm was distinct from the conduct giving rise to the fraud. Put simply, the court said, Hemi's obligation was to file the Jenkins Act reports with the state, not the city, and the city's harm was directly caused by the customers, not Hemi. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Tobacco Litigation Report Editor Jerry Maddox. The U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments January 20th regarding whether the Second Circuit erred in failing to defer to a pension plan administrator's decisions regarding disputes over pension payments for workers rehired by Xerox Corporation under the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. A number of former Xerox employees left the company and received lump-sum distributions from the company's Retirement Income Guarantee Plan. Years later, were rehired by Xerox, which resulted in their again accruing benefits under the plan. After returning to work for Xerox, the participants' pension benefits were subject to the plan's phantom offset provision. That allowed the plan administrators to offset the participants' lump sum distributions, plus any sum that the distribution would have earned had it remained in the fund against the retirement benefits accruing as a result of the employees being rehired. In 2006, the Second Circuit concluded that a phantom account offset of prior lump sum distributions 
constituted a retroactive cutback of anticipated pension benefits in violation of ERISA, that the defendants impermissibly amended the plan to include the phantom account mechanism, and that the plan was not properly amended until 1998, when details of the phantom account offset functions were set out in full in the summary plan description. In 2008, the Second Circuit affirmed the Western District of New York's conclusion that the appropriate remedy for employees hired before the 1998 amendment was to direct the plan administrator to pay each of them a lump sum in the amount of the difference between the amount of benefits that an employee has received and the amount of the recalculated benefit without any consideration of a phantom account. In addition, the Second Circuit said although a district court should review a plan administrator's decision under an excess of allowable discretion standard where, as here, the plan confers discretionary authority on the plan administrator to construe the terms of the plan, the district court did not err in failing to adopt the plan administrator's proposed approach. The plan administrator never rendered any decision other than the original benefit determinations, which were premised on the impermissible phantom account offset mechanism. The Supreme Court agreed to review the Second Circuit's ruling regarding the proper standard of review. During oral arguments, counsel for the plan administrator told the Supreme Court that under trust law, quote, where the plan of the settler of the trust has assigned the responsibility for making the discretionary determinations to the plan administrator or to the trustee, unless there's been a showing of bad faith or some other reason to think the discretion will not be exercised honestly and fairly, it is really up to the plan administrator to make that discretionary determination, and that therefore the Second Circuit erred by deferring to the U.S. District Court for the Western District of New York's interpretation of the plan. The Second Circuit on January 13th held an antitrust complaint alleging a conspiracy by major record labels to fix the prices and terms under which their music would be sold over the Internet, stated a claim for violation of the Sherman Act. Purchasers of online music from Defendants EMI, Sony BMG Music Entertainment, and Universal Music Group Recordings alleged the companies engaged in a continuing conspiracy to restrain the availability and distribution of Internet music and fix and maintain prices at artificially high and non-competitive levels. The purchasers pointed to the MusicNet and Press Play joint ventures between the record labels, which were ostensibly created for the distribution of music on the Internet. The plaintiffs said the organizations were just shams that gave their labels opportunities and forums to meet and further conspire as to the prices for their music products. The Southern District of New York dismissed the action. The district court found because the purchasers did not challenge the existence or creation of the joint ventures, their operation did not lead to an inference of illegal agreement. In addition, the district court said the purchasers failed to allege the necessary plus factors to establish anti-competitive and collusive behavior above the label's actions that could be construed as parallel and independent of each other. Vacating that ruling, the Second Circuit said that the complaint alleges specific facts sufficient to plausibly suggest that the parallel conduct alleged was the result of an agreement among the defendants. A New York federal judge January 11th dismissed an infringement lawsuit involving Google's AdWords system. Southern District of New York Judge George B. Daniels affirmed a magistrate judge's conclusion that patentee Roger Mark Stessenberg failed to state a claim for direct or indirect infringement. The patent involves a system for facilitating real-time transactions between service providers and clients through a lead generation system. Dessenberg alleged Google directly and indirectly infringed through its AdWords system, in which a vendor pays to obtain a lead and a service transaction is consummated between the vendor and a customer as a result of the lead. 
Magistrate Judge Andrew Peck had recommended granting Google's motion to dismiss the complaint for direct infringement on grounds that Desenberg failed to allege a single party performs each step of the patented process. The magistrate said the relationship is an arm's-length one, as asserted by Google. In an order filed in late December, a New York federal magistrate judge granted remand to three derivative claims brought on behalf of investors seeking to recover losses arising from the Madoff Ponzi scheme. Southern District of New York Magistrate Judge Theodore Katz held that derivative claims are not mass actions under the Class Actions Fairness Act. Fairfield Greenwich, which managed several funds that invested in Bernard Madoff Investment Securities, which was later exposed as a massive Ponzi scheme, was sued by a number of investors who lost money in the scheme and are seeking to recover under various tort and contract theories. Magistrate Judge Katz said the defendants were proposing, quote, an interpretation of Class Action Fairness Act that would require the court to infer the existence of multiple plaintiffs, when in fact there are at most only two, end of quote. The Securities and Exchange Commission sued Bank of America Corporation January 13th at a New York federal court contending Bank of America concealed information that Merrill Lynch suffered multi-billion dollar losses before Bank of America's shareholder vote on a merger deal with Merrill. The complaint was filed in response to a January 11th bench ruling prohibiting the SEC from amending its complaint in a case in which the SEC contends Bank of America was required to amend its proxy reports to show the losses and expected losses, but failed to do so. The SEC had sought leave to amend its complaint to add the claim that Bank of America was in possession of material stating that Merrill Lynch had suffered $4.5 billion in net losses in October 2008 and was expected to suffer further multi-billion dollar losses in November 2008, but failed to provide this information to shareholders before their vote to approve the merger deal between Bank of America and Merrill. Investors of medical device manufacturer Stryker Corporation filed a securities class action lawsuit in the Southern District of New York, that on January 15th, alleging the company misrepresented its true financial condition. The investors alleged from January 2007 to November 2008, Stryker engaged in a scheme to make it appear more profitable than it was by failing to document and maintain adequate quality controls over the products it manufactured. Investors alleged Stryker's manufacturing facilities for orthopedic surgical implants and medical equipment were not operating in compliance with federal regulations. In July 2008, Stryker announced to the public it would incur $50 million in additional costs to revamp its compliance systems and procedures to resolve safety issues identified by the FDA. The investors argue the defendants' misrepresentations allowed it to falsely project approximately 20% earnings growth for 2006, 2007, and 2008. A pair of civil rights organizations have filed a class action lawsuit accusing the New York City Police Department of violating students' civil rights through wrongful arrests and the excessive use of force. The American Civil Liberties Union and New York Civil Liberties Union filed the action on behalf of five New York City public school students. The Eastern District of New York lawsuit names the city, the mayor, the police commissioner, and others, and challenges the conduct of New York City police officers and school safety officers assigned to city public schools. The two organizations allege students are routinely physically abused and wrongfully arrested by NYPD personnel. They claim inadequately trained and poorly supervised officers engage in aggressive behavior towards students when no criminal activity is taking place and when there is no threat to overall health and safety. For further information on these and other New York cases, visit LexisNexis.com slash M-E-A-L-E-Y-S. 
The LexisNexis Legal News New York was written by the editors of LexisNexis Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis New York Legal News Podcast, copyright 2010 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.